Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. We're back again. I, I We haven't taken a week off. We did it. I know. <laughs> it's so exciting. We actually have like back-to-back episodes. Like, what is this? <laughs> uh, it's called Summer is Ending. I guess so. Yeah, we're coming into the fall period. So now we're back on all of our normal non-vacation time schedules. Sad yeah. face tears. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? But that means fall video games. Although if you ask True. me, what am I looking forward to in the fall for video games? <laughs> you have no idea. I just said, I'm sure I'm just drawing a blank. And I, I know there's Pokemon coming out. We have one to talk about in the news, which you should probably be a little bit stoked about at least. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. Uh, I, uh, I'm not feigning ignorance, but just literally just uh, forgetting all the games that are coming out. But yes, we do have something in the news that's coming out a little later than than anticipated uh, mm-hmm. for Extra Life, but we'll we'll make it work. Uh, but yeah, no, there there are fall video games. I'm kind of excited uh, about that Batman game uh, that doesn't have Batman. Batman's dead in that one. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, it's in the trailer that he's oh, dead. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> and it's so funny that, uh, and, and we'll move on after this, but it's so funny that everyone says like, well, he's not really dead. There's no way ba- Batman never stays dead. And all the developers and all the people who wrote for it are like, no, no, he's dead. We killed him. He's dead. He's not coming. <laughs> I promise super you. super duper dead. <laughs> it's, you know, he's not even going to take a sharp breath after the credits uh, in the rubble or whatever. Uh, he's dead. Okay. And everyone swears up and down. No, he's not dead. They're, they're lying. And, and <laughs> I don't know who to believe at this stage, because honestly, um, I want to believe they killed Batman. But I don't know. Batman's dead in that game. Maybe. I've... Maybe. <laughs> Batman's dead. Asterix. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? And again, I wouldn't be upset if he uh, if he comes back to life magically in that game at, at the end credits or whatever. Um I think like, you know, it, we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a new Batman game. I, I think there's that Mario plus Rabbids game. I'm excited about that. There's there's God of War, Ryan. It's oh, also God. in our notes of <laughs> you're supposed to ask me if I played the old one yet. I have not. And I okay. have not purchased the pre-order. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's coming. There's stuff. There's stuff. You're right. There's Mario Rabbids. There's um, God of War. There's uh, I don't know if you're excited about it or not, but Overwatch 2 technically is coming out in October. Um, A Plague's Tale, which we played the first one. The second one's coming out in October. Uh, Gotham Knights. That's the one you're talking about where Batman's dead, right? Yeah. Batman's dead (laughs) and Gotham Knights. Supposedly. Ooh. Um, Well, here's the thing. I guess this just means that when we have a slow news week, we got to do a release calendar and remind. Yeah. (laughs) my bank account about all the suffering that will be yep. coming later this year. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and, yeah. And then you're right. Pokemon and then Hogwarts. And we don't want to get into that, but that's one I was excited about when it was announced, but not so much anymore. So yeah, it got delayed to 2023. Yep. So, Oh, did it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not coming. I think February well, Forbes.com. Your list is not up to date. <laughs> yeah. S- stick to Take business. That. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> But yeah, and also one that I'm kind of stoked about um, that I know you're probably not going to check out at all, but um, Last of Us Part 1, the remake is coming out um, at the beginning of September. 
Yeah. Oh, September. Oh, my God. Next it's coming week. out <laughs> September 2nd. It's coming out this week, Ryan. <laughs> September Wait, is 2nd it? is this week. <laughs> uh, well, I should it's know It's literally that. Friday. <laughs> yeah, that is that is Friday. Uh, I did not yes, realize the game Spoiler alert, that's Friday. also my husband's birthday, and I definitely have not done anything for it yet. <laughs> I think you just bought Last of Us Part 1 remake for him. So right? <laughs> yes, honey, this is for you. Don't ask any questions. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, I am excited about Last of Us Part 1 because I never actually played Last of Us, which you guys already know. But um, I kind of like everyone just spoke about it so highly that it's one of those things that like the expectations have been set so high that I don't think the original like what was it? PlayStation 3? Is it a two or a three that that came out on? Originally? It was the PlayStation 3. Yeah. Tail it was three. OK, I thought so. Yeah. Um, so I don't think the original PS3 version could ever really even on a PlayStation four or five or whatever. Like, I don't think that that experience would be the same for me now as it was when last of us first came out. So I'm excited for the remake because I feel like I'll get to experience it like with like an up res kind of deal. And it's going to be up to a bit of a higher standard while still being, the same kind of gameplay mechanics and story and everything else that you guys raved about when it came out 2015 or whenever, you know? So I feel like uh, this is going to be a really cool experience for me and I'm glad that they're remaking it. And I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to this and yeah, September is like <laughs> three days away. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. You could probably uh, preload that game right now. Yeah, I probably can. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, Wow, like where where did the summer go? And I know that we say that every year and it makes us sound super old, but oh, where did the summer go? <laughs> but True. Seriously, though, where did the summer go? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, all I know is that the last half of the summer has basically been, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 for me. And I, I, yeah. feel, like, I feel like that game at least has another month left uh, of game time for me. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, it is it is interesting. Yeah, I'm not uh, I am not going to be picking up Last of Us Part One remake. I'll probably wait for a sale. I would love to play that game again as a remake, but I, I feel like uh, I'm not I'm not ready to <laughs> spend ninety dollars on it again. I'll, oh I'll my wait. god, it's ninety dollars. Well, see, this makes me feel kind of okay because the Last of Us version that I had on my PlayStation, like, uh, did I buy PlayStation Three the Last of Us version? I think I did. Because I was an Xbox girl for a long time. So I bought a bundle late into the cycle. So I'm pretty sure, like, whether it was a PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4, I got a Last of Us code with it as part of the bundle. So I don't feel like I pl I paid for it and missed it the first time around. <laughs> so do you know if it's actually tied to that, like, PlayStation whatever paid service they have now? <laughs> PlayStation Plus Ultimate or Plus ultimate plus plus playstation four or uh, five <laughs> whatever their service is called you mean like if you can if you can playstation elite <laughs> ultimate elite <laughs> i just call it playstation plus playstation plus plus and playstation plus 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 so yeah there you go okay um, so i have a playstation some number of pluses i think you have the two uh, pluses <laughs> i think i have two yeah two out of three <laughs> um so yeah no you were <laughs> I lost the I lost the question. The question was, can I get Last of Us remake for free because no. I have. OK, there you, you go. could probably play the trial, I think. Or no, no, no. That's on the plus plus plus. So, yeah, no, you. 
<laughs> You'd have to. I hate these services and I hate these service levels and I just wish they would all die in a fire because, yeah. damn it, it's, it's oh, just so confusing. I think, here's the thing, I think the the tears uh, are fine. They're just the confusion part comes in right there, you know, when you reacted to the trials bit because I think the trial stuff should be on anything above the base PlayStation Plus. Like, I think at, at this stage, what companies want us to assume is the base of their paid offerings is just what everybody needs to have if they want their system to be online. So you've got Nintendo Switch Online, you've got Xbox Live Gold, and then you've got PlayStation Plus. And, like, that's that's the baseline, right? If you want to go online, it's I guess it's now an accepted thing. But then you get into these tiers, and I think you you when you start to, like, put stuff in the specific higher tier and then the middle tier, people start to have these conversations of like, well, what, what do I value? And I think like, well, it's not even what do I value? It's what do I have? Yes, that too. (laughs) And I think the trial should just be like, it makes sense to me to put the classic stuff in a tier, uh, like the higher tier, because like there's work that goes into that. There's, uh, you know, emulation and that sort of thing. No, not everybody is going to want those classic games. Right. So I'm glad that they're not um, basically saying like, here are some games that are part of PlayStation Plus Plus, but then there are these other games that are part of like current games that are part of the higher tier. Like that's where it would get confusing, even more confusing. So um, I'm glad they didn't try to like put their premium, premium titles. Uh, Now I'm confused. So anyways... No, yeah, it's not the, on PlayStation Okay, Plus. basically, yeah, the point is I'm going to have to shell out $90 for it, but I didn't pay for it in the first place, so this feels like my first crack at Last of Us or my first contribution to Last of Us, so I'm I'm kind of okay if I have to buy it. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's something I'm definitely looking forward to in September, and I feel like my summer has very much been, like, smaller titles, like, smaller experiences, and that's very much what I did this week was... I played Cult of the Lamb and Cult of the Lamb is something that was not on my radar at all, <laughs> like at all. And then all of a sudden it came out and I think it came out a couple of weeks ago and it's like exploded all over everything. It's like everybody's talking about this game and I'm like, it's one of those Devolver digital ones. So they're the ones that always have the crazy, kooky, weird presentations at all of the events. Yeah, the demarketing marketing experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they're the publisher, I guess. Um and so Cult of the Lamb is this really weird it's another boyfriend dungeon sort of game in that it takes two things that maybe like two genres that maybe shouldn't go together but somehow it works. So it's a like base um character management game with a roguelite or roguelike, I feel like we still don't really know the <laughs> difference between the two, but um, with a roguelite dungeon crawling game smooshed in there too. <laughs> so it's very much like you have to go out into the forest and like kill a whole bunch of enemies and then bring a whole bunch of resources back and then build your base and keep all of your cultists happy. And it has an art style that's very, like, don't starvey, but then, like, has these super cute animals who are, like, devil-worshipping cultists. It's so weird in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, th- th- this is a game I've not seen a video of, and I've but I've seen the screenshots because, as you said, it's come up a lot in conversation. Um, a lot of people are playing it, and it was all over Twitter over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, it I and again, like I don't know any. It's interesting to hear that it is like sort of a mashup of uh, genres because I really like that when you brought um, Boyfriend Dungeon onto the show. So I feel like this is going to be one of those where I'm like, okay, I guess this is this is the moment where I check out uh, Cult of Lamb, and it's available on man everything like Switch, PlayStation. Xbox. Oh yeah, yeah, it's available everywhere, and it's it's the kind of game where, and I think. Maybe this is why I enjoyed Boyfriend Dungeon so much, but not necessarily things like Enter the Gungeon or whatever, is because games like this that kind of mash up that dungeon crawly vibe with something else, it's like it gives me something else in a universe that I'm enjoying. It gives me something else to do that isn't just like combat over and over and over and over and over, you know? Like there's a bit of a break to that repetition and that roguelite, roguelike gameplay is because like so you go and do all your combat and you're furthering the story and you're trying to defeat these um like gods or demigod kind of creatures um who make up like the bosses and i haven't actually gone up against the first boss yet because it seems like you have to run through an area a certain number of times before like the final door will unlock so i've gone through i think three times and it's like the it's like three quarters lit. There's like a circle that, and there's like a quarter that's lit up every time. Um, so I'm assuming I have to do one more run through the forest and then I'll get to the forest boss who, by the way, and I, I feel like I should have Googled this because he must be some sort of like deity in some existing religion because the the boss in the forest, like the god in the forest is Leshy, who's the same from um, Inscription that we played. Oh. same name yeah <laughs> so i was like this has to be like norse mythology or something you know like this god character this this creepy dude in the forest has to be <laughs> some sort of established human mythology somewhere <laughs> yeah it must be um it's funny i always go to the uh to the steam page to see whether it's a roguelike or a rogue light uh, and either way, I find if you say both, you get the same amount of emails. It 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 fifty fifty yeah. chance. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would welcome the emails or the messages in Discord <laughs> to just explain the difference to me. <laughs> but anyways, it's the kind of thing where like you do it over and over again. You die and you come back stronger. I assume I haven't actually died yet. I've been close, but I haven't actually died yet. Um, but the point that I was making is that it's really nice to have that kind of um, repetitive because you have to go through the forest multiple times to get to the boss. And it's not all that different. It's kind of like a grid pattern. And then they give you the selection thing that reminds me of Slay the Spire, where it's like there's multiple paths you can take, but um, you can only ever choose one option in any of the like branches. And uh, so if you miss stuff, you just miss it. And it's that kind of like repetitive pattern. And that gets really old really quick for me. And so Boyfriend Dungeon had this like dating game and extra story tied to it and and unlocking all the different weapons and whatever. And then now Cult of the Lamb has this like base management thing. So you have to like have enough materials to build beds for all your cultists because you find the cultists like out in the forest and stuff. And when you defeat mini bosses, you can convert them to worship you instead or will worship for you. 
Um, there's a whole bunch of different tech trees and stuff, which is all based around like how many cultists you have and you can send them out and make some of them gather, some of them worship at your altar. And you're basically doing this like resource management sim, trying to make sure you cover all your bases and like that you're leveling yourself up, but that you're also leveling your cult up because that allows you to level yourself up. And it, it like, it all feeds into itself. But then there's also like, the the actual management of your base part of it because you have a like a set size and you have to make sure that like all of your cultists are fed and they can sleep somewhere and you have a farm to feed them and you know that you um and make sure you have a, ch a church obviously because you have to do sermons every day so they stay loyal to you like there's all of that management kind of stuff that I was getting out of uh, Two Point Campus last week where I'm just like man, they've <laughs> thrown this kind of like game I style I love and game mechanics that I love into this like roguelite dungeon thing. <laughs> and I'm like, man, these mashups really work for my enjoyment of a game because I can't do a straight up roguelite. I find them boring. <laughs> so this is this like break in the action really appeals to me. Now, I know that there's some people that are just like combat, 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 and I want to just like keep going and grinding and getting better and learning more and unlocking more skills. And I don't want the distraction of something else. But the distraction of something else really keeps me interested. So I'm enjoying Cult of the Lamb a lot. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. Um, having sort of a, a metagame in between more repetitive gameplay, I think XCOM, the reboot of, of XCOM and XCOM 2, had this really great concept where you in between matches where it's a turn-based combat, you are doing like base management and sort of uh, upgrading your, your heroes and stuff like that. So it really broke up the action in a way that was like, I'm not constantly doing the same gameplay loop. Mm -hmm. But then like, but the, the distraction and the break is still compelling in and of its own, yes. you know, style, right? Like it's, you're not just, you don't feel like you're just wasting time you feel like you're playing another style of game, which is really cool because the world and the lore that they've built in the game. So, you know, whatever your type, boyfriend dungeon XCOM, in this case, Cult of the Lamb, you want to spend more time in that world. So it's kind of cool that you get to spend more time in that world, but you don't have to do the combat like you're spending time in the world and like getting to know your cultists and what are they good at and where should they go and you know, how much do they love you? Yeah. Those are all uh, important stats to check yes. in on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, and again, I just I keep looking at the Steam profile and I, I find it hilarious that the the user generated uh, tags that have been added to this game. One is roguelite and one is roguelike. So not even Steam. Knows. <laughs> not even Steam can agree. <laughs> uh, but no, this uh, it's a game that sort of popped it into my radar and I was like, oh, I should check that out. I added it to my wish list, but I, I didn't really know anything about it. I did not know it was a dungeon crawler. And I love, you know, uh, base building slash resource management stuff. I love collecting mm -hmm. resources and hitting a button once I have enough of, you know, various uh, like ingredients, I guess, you know, yeah. that all sounds great. Well, and they, yeah. So they have like, you have to make sure that all your cultists are fed. So you have to go out and gather like there's meat and, and, tiny morsels and berries and all kinds of stuff and that lets you make different recipes and some of the recipes are like higher quality so you have to actually like go to the cooking fire and then there's like this like skill check thing that pops up like dead by daylight and you have to like 
make sure you press the skill check button when the little indicator's in the green. In otherwise, you burn your food. <laughs> like it even has like mini games in its mini games. I it just it's super fun and uh, and yeah, like I said, you you do go out and do some like collecting and there's um there's like a little shop that you can come across sometimes that allows you to buy more stuff for your base. That's like rarer ingredients and stuff. There's this like tarot card reader in sometimes in the woods that if you find them, then you get bonuses for that like run through. And I don't know, they're just, it does a lot of stuff really, really cool. And the art style is like, it's just so fun. <laughs> it's like, like I said, it's like, it's very don't starvey. But then they have these like big, adorable, like anime animal eyes <laughs> until they start going all red and like dripping blood. <laughs> like It's just this really weird, like combo of genres. But they, these, <laughs> these little animals, because your cult ends up being made up of like you, you're the last lamb. And then there's like bunnies and, and horses and little bears and stuff I don't even understand or realize what kind of animal they are. <laughs> but they're all these this like super adorable art style. And then it's like, would you like to sacrifice me? <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> like, mm. no, just stay here and worship. It's fine. No one needs to die. <laughs> we are a very non-death cult here. That's good. You can also name your cult. It gives you you don't have to be the cult of the lamb. You can rename your cult to anything. <laughs> Yeah. You, so you renamed it to Cult of Don't Worry. Cult of the Lamb. Because oh. <laughs> I'm not very creative. And I was just uh, like, oh, you can rename your cult. Cool. I can't be bothered. <laughs> you should you should rename it to uh, Cult of Don't Worry. We're not, there's no sacrifices here or something. <laughs> cult of No Sacrifice. <laughs> there you go. This way, people, when they join, they're like, they, they know what they're getting into, right? Yeah. It's just cute animal anime eyes. Uh, and sometimes. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes blood. Yeah, sometimes not always blood, but sometimes blood. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, we burn the bones of our enemies because, of course, you have to desecrate their corpses. I mean, that's just good cult management. Duh. <laughs> mm. I must have uh, skipped that session of cult management 101. Cult 101. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really cool. So you guys should go and check it out. I don't know how long it takes to beat. Um, It does seem like there are like four main areas and four bosses. Um, I've only, I'm only just through the first main area, the forest. Um, I've done it, like I say, three times. Looks like the fourth time will unlock access to the boss. Who knows how many attempts that's going to take for me uh, to beat it. It doesn't seem too punishing. Like I say, I haven't actually died yet, so I'm not sure how that whole mechanic works and, you know, what might get reset, what I'll get to carry over. Like, I don't know. Um, but I can update you guys next week if you want. Uh, there is some DLC for this. I don't know if it's actually out right now or if it's like coming later, but there is DLC and I've heard it's a pretty small, quick game. Like I've heard it doesn't take a whole ton of time to beat and it doesn't have the most replayability. So, um, I'll let you guys know next week how it goes and, and how far into it I get and, and if it's kind of like worth your time, but the first couple hours that I've gone through it so far, it does seem really fun. If you're if you're into rogue rogue light or roguelike dungeon crawly things with a twist, then maybe go check it out. It's yeah. I don't think it's too much. I think it was like $25 Canadian around that. So probably 20 American, I would guess. Yeah. 
So it says here how long to be about 13 and a half hours okay, for the main story. Now, if you try to do everything, you're you're going towards 20 hours. And um, how long to beat says it's a roguelike. So <laughs> final tally. It sounds like roguelike has pulled ahead. So there you go. There you go. Uh, so what have you been up to this week? Well, I have gone back in time uh, to the uh, to the era of 2007. Uh, I am playing Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed. That is the remake of the sequel to the Destroy All Humans uh, game we played. I think I thought it was last year, but it was actually it was two years ago that the first remake came out. I remember playing the first remake and I don't know. So the the Destroy All All Humans 2 came out in 2006. So I'm sure Destroy All Humans was before that. Yeah. Um, Did they do any updates to the like setting slash sense of humor? Because I remember thinking when we played the first one, and this is the reason I haven't picked up the second one to try. Um, I remember it being very dated, like really, really dated to the point that there were some themes that made me pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, this one still has uh, that warning at the top of the game. It's like, hey, we've completely redone all the graphics. Uh, the engine's been upgraded. A lot of the UI has been upgraded. Uh, but... It is still uh, the bones are very 2006, like including the scripts and the comedy and the stuff. You're like, here's the thing. I don't remember. There's a lot of, you know, problematic stuff from the first game and those themes carry forward in, in the second game. But the the fun of running around as an alien and in your UFO and rampaging across town, like taking the best parts of, you know, a lot of those open world games where you're just it's chaotic mayhem like that's fun. Um, but I don't remember the first game being so obsessed with, uh, sex, uh, but this second game very much so crypto, I guess, um, whole part of the plot is that he has uh, genitalia now and he's just, he's, he's oh. very after everything. It's, uh, that's, that's unfortunate. It is. I did <laughs> not like, realize that. So I remember stopping playing the first game because there was like, there were moments and themes where like it started to get borderline rapey and I didn't like it. (laughs) And like, you know, you were like very actively like, I'm trying to remember because I feel like it wasn't even necessarily something that you as the, and again, it's been a couple of years now since I played it, but like, I remember like your alien doing some of it, but even some of the stuff that was happening, like, in and around like the, the the human characters, like the NPCs were doing to each other that I was just like, Oh man, like that's not great. And like, yeah, there, it just like, it seemed like it was jokes, but again, like jokes from, you know, 20 years ago that just don't land now. Uh, Like after all the, you know, me too, Hollywood stuff and everything else and all the, you know, things going on with companies like Blizzard and everything else and all the the gross workplace cultures and things. And you're just like, man, this hits way different now. And I'm really uncomfortable and I don't like it. <laughs> so they've they've stuck with slash ramped that up in the second one, I guess. <laughs> That's a choice. <laughs> I, well, here's the thing. I don't think... I don't think they they've necessarily ramped it up. I feel like it's just it's it's 
it feels very similar to the first one in that they had like you know they had the humor they were going for in 2005 or whatever when they when they made the game and they continued that trend into the second game and i think where uh things change a little bit with this one is that the first game is all based in one area like one small town or one area of uh the united states of america uh in this game they do kind of move uh out of there and you get to explore more of the world and i think that's where i noticed um some very you know dated stuff where like a lot of the vo is very stereotypical um you go to you know you see you saw in the first one a lot of like the russian accents that were very like very stereotypical like soviet union era uh type comedy uh jokes and then they in this one they go to you go to uh japan uh you go to uh, oh i was hoping you weren't gonna say japan (laughs) yeah yeah. it's the kind of thing where it's like when you think of like 2006 stereotypes it's like we all know exactly what that's gonna sound like and it's not awesome yeah no and there there is uh i've i've been through the first three areas and that was the the third area was was japan they do uh, the second area is in um is in london england or a london england type place so there's you know as you can imagine, it's it's set in the late 60s. Uh, so you've got a lot of like very much like everyone look, who's running around either looks like uh, Paul McCartney or, or uh, John Lennon or just average hippie. And again, like when, when you're in when you're in London, like just it's just everything kind of like it's all like, you know, you got the Austin Powers type character. And it's it, again, it's like a lot of that stuff from this 2007 game. I almost wonder like, okay, like you're obviously heading in a direction here. You've remade the first two games. I would imagine this is like a business case to work towards building a destroy all humans three, which is a brand new game. And I think that you can build a destroy all humans three with, you know, crypto, the main alien and, and even his, you know, leader or boss guy, uh, pox, and and have those same voice actors come in, but you just you'll have you you have to change the writing. You have to, you know, find your your humor again. And I think it, it you could do it, but you just you can't build a third game uh, that just continues with this type of humor. And I I think it's uh it'd be very interesting to see what they end up doing there if they were to make a third one. And I I really hope like you could have a lot of fun with an alien just causing havoc and having all these different weapons and all that stuff. Like it fits within that comedy aspect of it. Like you have the incinerator, you have the lightning gun, you have a button that you can push to make people's heads explode. And then you collect the brain, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like there's stuff like that. And there's a lot of different fun abilities there that, that while you're in combination as you're, you know, running around doing your missions, it it was fun. You know, it's fun in the first one too. And it brought back a lot of memories of playing those games in the early two thousands. And this is a remake. So again, if you look, and I did this before the show, if you look at what these games look like, this was PS2 Xbox era, not great looking games. So these have been remade, uh, but they're using all the same voice acting. And, and so like the script stays the same. A lot of the, uh, animations and cutscenes that they've done that they've remade are close to what they were uh in the original game but obviously they've they've done some some work there but again they have to adhere to the original voice acting so they have to sort of have like a 
set script and stuff. But yeah, this is def- these are definitely remakes because again, you look at these games side by side and it's like there's no way they just applied an HD filter to this. Uh, I know that's not a real thing, but you know, like up res, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the, the 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 graphics. I guess I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, again, it's a product of its time, and I agree with you. I think that that first one kind of set a tone. I think this one goes in a different direction, but n- still not a great direction. But it is the gameplay is still fun. I just find that the trappings, um, you know, the the scripting, the story. Like a lot of that setup for what you're going to do, it's just like, oh man, this is really dated. And again, they have the thing at the beginning that tells you like, hey, we've done a lot of work to this game, but the script is the same. And, you know, this is a, you know, remake of of what was released 15 years ago or, or more. And, but yeah, it's uh, it, it the bones there, like the, the gameplay stuff, like that's, that is a lot of fun. But yeah, you run into a lot of issues with the story and, um, you know, the the dialogue and the jokes and stuff. And that that was the same with the first one, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it would have been it like it would be interesting to see if they could make a modern destroy all humans game that just leaned into the alien um, fun of everything of just, you know, having that sandbox you know, and just make a more modern take on it. I think that would be really, really cool. And like, even the, I didn't realize that even the UI that they've, they've taken from the first game, they've completely remade it. Like it still feels dated. Like this is why I was like, oh, is this a remaster? Cause like some of the UI feels a little dated, but no, like they have remade it in a way that like obviously keeps it so that it, it still works with the old game, but it's, but it's a newer, it's a newer look and feel. So mm-hmm. like they've really nailed that aspect of it. Um, but I think that again, like, okay, you've remade these two games. I think you're, you've gone to the well for these remakes. Like there are other games to remake from this franchise. I don't think those other games are as well received. They're probably just as bad from a, from a humor standpoint. Um, I think it's time to like, okay, let's, let's see what we can do with like a more modern take on destroy all humans. And you could have some fun with it too. Like you could set it. Like, I think they, this one's set in the late 60s. The first one was set in the 50s. You kind of push forward and, you know, check in 50 years later or whatever, however you wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of fun options and decades and, and events and things that you could play into for sure. Even, you know, like, it would also be super fun to have, like, an alien invasion, like, story in the super modern era like where we are now with like internet access and everyone having a camera in their pocket and you know like <laughs> that that could add a fun dynamic to it right yeah yeah i i think that i think that this franchise it, it, it would be really cool to see them bring it back and and again like when you're playing it the like the the humor and the story and the script does remind you of like oh man i remember playing you know a lot of games were like this you know back in the early 2000s um but also the gameplay of it too is like it, it, there's something about the simplicity of the gameplay like you feel like you're playing a game from the 2000s and it, and i i always like that about you know revisiting these remakes and remasters when you when you're playing games like oh this is how i remember these games playing and maybe how they looked. And obviously when you go look at a side by side, it's definitely not what they look like even close. Um, 
isn't that always hilarious? They show you the side by side and you're like, no. <laughs> it's like, I feel like that when I look at old like screenshots of like original GoldenEye and stuff, I'm like, no. <laughs> they had like perfect faces. What are you talking about? <laughs> it wasn't just a smudged triangle, you know? Um, but yeah, like I, I, that's why I went to see the side by side before the show. Cause I knew I would come on here, but, but yeah, like they really, they uprise the graphics really well. Like it looks great. I mean, as, as I said, like they've definitely, um, I think in terms of same with the first one, I think in terms of the design, they took the original look and feel remade it obviously, but they, they kept it. They adhered to sort of the concept and the designs of the first game. So like, you're not going to be playing destroy all humans the last of us you know style fidelity this is still a very cartoon game but even when you compare you know crypto from you know this game to the original like they they took that design and ran with it but again like you can tell how they you know where how you where you came from and and how you got there like it's a very it's a it's a very these two games are a very interesting look at how remastering and remaking that decade of games can can work and another game that came out in that era was um Stubbs the Zombie and then and they came out that was a a remaster and you can tell when you're playing it like this you can tell the difference between a remaster and a remake and I, I again like obviously you would much prefer a remake because remasters is like okay like a lot of this is stuck from the original game and you feel it in, you know, the, the UI, the graphics, everything. And it does kind of hold back the experience a bit, especially when we have so much other stuff we can play. But I think like these games, they did a great job at remaking, you know, the gameplay, the the graphics, all that stuff. But again, like it is still a product stuck in its time. You know, and it it can be hard to shake that while you're playing. And I and I agree with you. I think with the first one, I, I kind of stopped about halfway through because they just kept going <laughs> at the same jokes. Yeah. And I think in this one, they are going at the same jokes, but they move on a little quicker. Like there are more areas to explore. But in each area, it's like, OK, I get it. Now we're in London. It's all Beatles mania. It's all, you know, um, bell-bottom jeans or whatever like and the first area is like the area from the first one so it's all like you know peace and love and all that and and uh you know the hippies are bad and all it's just it's weird <laughs> you know and um but yeah is it is it worth checking out though because it so it's it's 40 dollars canadian i'm assuming on steam yeah so it's 40 dollars canadian it is only on the uh current generation of consoles so this was the thing they changed from the first remake. Uh, this will only be available for purchase on the Series S, X, and PS5, as well as Steam. Um, again, like, I don't uh, particularly... I'm playing it on Xbox uh, Series X. I don't particularly see, like, the next-gen, or, well, the current-gen sort of... Um, like, the loading times are pr- are pretty... This game has a lot of loading times, they're not particularly long, but they're like long enough that you're like, ah, oh, this this should be snappier. And I don't know if that's again because of the bones that it's attached to, like an older you know engine or whatever. But um, I did notice that the load screens, especially on the Series X, can be like loading in between cutscenes and choices and stuff of dialogue, and uh, it's it's a little off. I feel like that has to be like a um, a 
an artifact of the original game because like there's there's no way that you would have or I would think like on on a current console that you would have issues like that, right? If like I feel like they must just be moments in the game that had load screens and it was too much coding to try to take them out. <laughs> would be my guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Um it's hard to say, but yeah, it's probably related to uh, the way that the game was was remade um, mm-hmm. again, like maybe. I don't know, man. If I picked up a 2006 title and it didn't play well on my Series X or S, I would probably be pretty pissed. <laughs> like it plays well. <laughs> like, yeah, but like if there were yeah big long load times and stuff, I'd be like, what the hell is going on <laughs> Like in my 2022 console can't load a 2006 title what is this like your remake failed (laughs) yeah no what i'm saying though is like when you compare this experience to a lot of the other current generation experiences where the load the loading is very quick it's like instantaneous i'm saying that this isn't incredibly long it's just it's it's not as short as we've come to expect from current generation experiences and i and again at home if i were to tell you the time it's like okay like as opposed to instantaneously, it's like a couple of seconds, like four or five seconds. But those add up as you're going. Well, it's long enough to be noticeable and, and worth mentioning, right? So I that it. already feels yeah. too long. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, I don't want to harp on them too much. I haven't played the game, so that's not fair. But um, yeah, so so $40 on Steam, Xbox Series S and X and PS5. And this is Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed. Um, overall, thumbs up, thumbs down. I think if you're a fan of the original games, like if you remember playing them and you have uh, you have some nostalgia there, um, this is a solid remake. Like, again, you don't often get remakes quite like this, uh, where a lot of attention has gone into updating the graphics. But yeah, like like we said at the top of the segment, definitely be aware that they have not updated the the story, the scripts, the audio. Uh, It's all very what was in there in 2006 is still there. It's just, they've updated the UI, the graphics, that sort of thing. But I, I think that it is worth checking out. If again, if you enjoyed that first if game, you're a fan. Yeah. Yeah. This is very much more of that for sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, if you guys enjoy the gamers in, and you'd like to support the show, you can head on over to patreoncom slash the gamers in like Matthew W and Tyson did. Thank you so much for our August patrons for supporting the show. Um, I totally forgot what I was going to say, but something, 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 patreon.com slash the gamers in. Thank you. Thank you. I know I'm really making a strong argument for supporting us in our podcasting endeavors with my inability to string a sentence together. Um, that brings us to the news this week. Uh, as we alluded to off the top of the show, um, there is a release that we are excited about, or at least I'm excited about. I don't want to talk over Ryan or for Ryan because... You know, I know he struggled a little bit with the game or no, not the most recent one that we played, but a couple of the previous titles, Uh, the Dark Pictures Anthology, the next installment, The Devil in Me is releasing on November 18th. So we kind of teased this off the top of the show. Not really probably going to be on time for Extra Life. I know um, the Extra Life like game weekend is normally the first Saturday in November, so this is going to be a couple weeks late, but I'm sure that we'll get around to playing it and streaming it because we always do always for the last three years or whatever we always have. So I think it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I, my only disappointment with this announcement was that uh, it was coming after 
extra life game day. So, but that being said, I, I will still play it. Um, I still look forward to playing co-op with you at, and live streaming it. Cause I think it always goes well <laughs> unless, uh, yeah, unless Ryan decides to, Hey, let's see what happens if I do this right off the bat, uh, <laughs> while we're streaming. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It, it looks to be more like based on traditional or not traditional, but more modern horror. Like again, going back to the early two thousands with like saw and stuff like that. So less of a supernatural story and more of like a, Hey, I'm stuck in a puzzle box. Yeah, this looks very much like um, serial killery slash like like scary because people are scary, not scary because ghosts, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's that kind of a horror movie, um, which I think is pretty cool because there, there's just so much to explore in this genre. And we kind of like now we've had the ghost story, the witch story, the alien story makes sense that we'd have the you know like human serial killer type story so it's uh i think it's an interesting it was exciting when we saw the first teaser at the end of the last dark pictures um anthology game and i think this just looks it, it looks really cool i'm really looking forward to it i think it looks awesome yeah no for sure i'm uh we'll definitely have to add it to the list we'll have to set a date for our extra life uh playthrough so we'll figure that out in the well probably soon it's almost september it's almost september which is when we normally start our extra life planning so uh yeah guys tune in uh to gamers in for that um if you're unaware we do extra life every year we raise money for the children's miracle network of hospitals and we've had some pretty good years the last couple of years so I know I personally, I think I'm over $15,000 raised now. And and Ryan, I think you've broken the 10K mark, right? So yeah, yeah we've had some pretty good years and, and we really, really enjoy um, doing some good charity work and uh, giving gamers a, a bit of a better name and reputation. I know every time, every time that I talk to people at like my family or like at work or whatever, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, like it's a bunch of gamers and we raise money for sick kids. And they're like, wait, what, really? I was like, yeah, we play video games from it's a marathon thing and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, wow, we didn't know like gamers were into that kind of like not activism, but like charity, right? <laughs> yes, charity. <laughs> it's like, yes, we're good people, you know? <laughs> so it's a really good cause, both I think for the video game community as well as obviously for the children, which is why we do it. So um, do uh, stay tuned for more details about our Extra Life campaign. Um, but we do normally have quite a few days that we play um, in November and December. So um, stay tuned for that. We'll have links for you in the next couple of weeks. Um, PlayStation 5 is getting a price increase in some places, which is very odd yeah. to have an increase of something when it's like normally something releases and its price goes down over time. <laughs> and I feel like we just had another, like, was it with the with VR or something? I feel like we just had a story very, very similar to this that was like, hey, we had a launch price point. Turns out things are really scarce right now and we can't sell them for that anymore. So the price is increasing. Didn't we just talk about something like this? Yeah, it was the uh, the Meta Quest Two got a hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Increase. So the VR. Yeah, the VR headsets from Meta. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be Oculus. Yes. Yeah. A Facebook Meta Oculus, like all the words they don't yeah. want you to use. But yeah, it's um. It, it, here's the thing. Like this is uh, 
this is in line with, you know, what Meta did and saying like, hey, due to inflation, rising costs, we are increasing our price. Now, PlayStation is saying they're increasing their price in select markets, uh, which does unfortunately include for us Canada, although you and I have both purchased um, thankfully <laughs> our system. Yeah, which is already expensive. But you're absolutely right. Like our our experience with um, this type of hardware, specifically consoles, um is that they go down in price over time. They usually don't go they up. They go down or they get bundled or like the, the all sorts of things that give the consumer more value for their dollar. Exactly. Um, I don't think yeah. I've seen, you know, a company, and I, we talked about this with the, the meta headsets. We said, I don't, rem- in my time as playing video games, I don't recall like a system releasing and then the company saying, hey, we got to pass some additional costs on to you, the consumer, even though... We charge you, you know, a premium for our new video. Like again, PlayStation, their games are already $10 more expensive um, than than their competitors. And like if you're specifically here in Canada and there's not been a price increase in the US, again, which is their biggest market, I, I think people are saying, but you've got Europe, UK, uh, Japan, China, Australia, Mexico, and specifically here in Canada, you're looking at a $50 increase for the disk drive PlayStation. And then you're looking at a $20 increase for the digital. Uh, I, I think I have those numbers, right? It was $599 and $499, right? It's it's a bump. It's a small bump, but like it's still... But it's a bump. <laughs> it's weird to... Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and defend PlayStation. I really think like this is not the right way to go. Um... I don't know. Like when you have hardware like this, I think. Well, and the thing is, too, they're dealing with supply issues, right? Like, I mean, you still can't just walk into a Best Buy and buy a PlayStation. So I think like they might be saying materials, but I mean, like they've had supply issues since launch that they haven't fixed. And it just kind of seems now like they're like, well, we can charge more. So maybe we just should charge more. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, they're right. I mean, they can sit here and they can say, yeah, we're increasing the price and, and you know, folks are going to are, are likely going to pay it. Yeah, they're yeah. going to pay it. And I mean, the the interesting stuff alongside this note is that both, you know, obviously the, you know, the press asks competitors, hey, are you going to do this? Do you see what PlayStation did? Are you going to do the same thing? And I, and I don't think Nintendo saw it as an opportunity to say, no, I think Nintendo does their own th- their own thing and they. And the Switch is probably already... Nintendo just exists in their own bubble. Yes. (laughs) They just do what they want when they want. And yeah, that's it. They don't care too much about what else is going on. I'm sure someone in some boardroom office cares somewhere, (laughs) but they never seem to. (laughs) They're just like, oh, Microsoft and Sony are doing what now? Oh, well, this is what Nintendo's doing. And it's way off the wall in left field. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, in the case of the Switch, it is older hardware, much older hardware, and they were already making a profit on the Switch. So there was probably, they could probably eat the, Nintendo would be a company to eat those costs. I I mean, we saw it with the 3DS where, you know, abysmal launch, they cut the price by like, I think, a uh, hundred bucks. And it, that that became the best selling handheld until, well, the Switch. And uh, but I mean, when you look at Microsoft specifically, like they were asked, are you going to do this? And they said, uh, no, definitely not. Um, when you look at the three companies, the three main companies, Nintendo, Sony and Microsoft, I feel like Sony is probably the one of the three that probably felt they needed to do this, you know, because they they are 
one of the better performing segments of their business, whereas Microsoft has Windows. This seems like the conversation we always have, but Microsoft has Windows, Nintendo is Nintendo, and Sony is their you know divisions are struggling to to make profit. And I know that the PlayStation division has been one of their more profitable businesses. So in order to keep that going, like there are other business reasons. It's not just inflation. It's also just like we need to keep turning a profit here, which is business. But again, like they can't be selling the hardware at such a loss for so long. It's But it's just wild to see them say, hey, we're going to pass this along to consumers. Like at what point does the consumers start to be like, okay, well, maybe at this stage, like maybe Xbox is the better option here in terms of value, you know, um, cheaper console, you've got game pass. Like, I think you're still missing those premium software titles that, that you don't necessarily see on the, on the Xbox. I mean, you've got the God of Wars, you've got horizon on PlayStation. It is a premium experience, but man, I just, I did not think we would see it again so quickly. And, and, uh, maybe we will continue to see it. Like, Price increases aren't unheard of, but uh, no, it's just hardware? kind of yeah, it's just kind of odd in this sector. Yeah, yeah, like I could see like subscriptions going up, and I mean, we just saw Sony. Uh, <laughs> we talked about their subscriptions and how they just introduced new tiers to their subscriptions. Like again, they've they've got a lot going on in terms of how you can give them money and and it is a small like at least this is a this is a smaller increase than you saw with meta i think increasing your your console price by 100 bucks that was uh that was quite the sticker shock but but here it's like it's not nothing but it's still it's 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 a small amount but again it's it's uh, gosh it's just weird to see yeah it's weird to see and and i don't like i don't really know considering like power wise between the two consoles they're fairly even as says someone who, you know, isn't super into hardware specs and stuff. But as like, as far as I understand in terms of like processing power and the the way games look and play and everything else, like they're, they're on par. That's a fair statement. Yeah, no, I, I I think. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I, and again, like I own both consoles. I've played games on both consoles, but I've never played the same game on Xbox and then on PlayStation to do like a comparison or anything like that. Um, but I feel like your experience in terms of performance anyways is going to be very similar. We're kind of at that stage of tech now. And it really kind of comes down to the console exclusives as to why you'd be team Sony or team Microsoft in terms of your first console purchase of a generation. And Sony's making it really hard to choose them right now because yes, they do have those franchises like you mentioned, but there's a lot of stuff that plays on all consoles now. And some third party stuff is really freaking good. So if you're going to be able to play the majority of games that are coming out, obviously not counting exclusives on a cheaper console that charges less on a game by game basis, like, I don't know, man, Sony seems like they might be shooting themselves in the foot a little bit here. They have had like, they have had supply issues and demand for their consoles is definitely up there. But I don't know if you're trying to sell an entertainment console in what is bordering on a recession, I feel like, you know, everyone 
feels like it's happening. Everyone thinks that it's happening, but no one wants to actually say that we're in a recession, but it feels very recession-y. Inflation is huge. People are struggling to pay for like food and gas and stuff. And you're an entertainment company selling a console that's hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Like, man, you just made it so much of a harder sell. (laughs) And I understand you got to recoup your costs and stuff, but wow. I feel like PlayStation should almost be doing the opposite. Like you're just trying to get people into your ecosystem, right? Like, I don't know. This seems like a weird, bad move. And I get all the reasons why they're doing it, but it seems like maybe not the right call. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they should have been more expensive from the get-go. I don't know. <laughs> they were they were already pretty expensive. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's so hard to... Obviously, when you see a price increase, your immediate reaction is to be like, well, that's stupid. Why would you do that? And and I and I understand why they have logic on their side to increase the price. But again, like you you have to take into effect, like how how are the consumers going to react to this? And and again, like, I think, unfortunately, I think not well. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the folks on the folks on Twitter, the folks on podcasts are, are obviously we're not taking it well. But I think that in when you look at the entire sort of uh, the way the PlayStation five is going to exist throughout its entire lifespan, like it's, it's probably not, it's probably not going to affect it very much. Cause again, PlayStation does have those premium experiences that continue to keep delivering. And it by no means gives them the ticket to be able to increase the, the console whenever they, they feel they need to. But I think people are still going to buy them. They have, they definitely have good exclusives. I'm not saying that they don't. It's just like you have to be a Joss level horizon fan to really justify the PlayStation here. I think, I think you Mm -hmm. can get a lot more for your money if you're playing in the Microsoft ecosystem right now. Um, And, you know, like, or even in Nintendo, you know, like there's more and more stuff coming to the Switch that are experiences that we wouldn't normally expect to see on a Nintendo console. And, You know, it's kind of crushing it and it's mobile. So like the other companies have a lot going for them as well. And I think that you're just making it harder on yourself to kind of um, allow consumers to justify spending money on your console if they're only buying one, you know, like if I'm looking at these three and looking what I can get for less money, I'm probably going to go Xbox, honestly, but I, and I would miss out on obviously the the PlayStation exclusives. But if I just want to entertain myself in a time where the world really sucks, <laughs> like I'm probably going to do it in the cheapest way possible because I need to buy gas to get to work the next day, and that might be the ten dollar difference. Like who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I don't know. Anyways, you're absolutely right. I don't like I don't want to harp on this point too too much, but uh, one thing I do really want to talk to you about before we wrap the show: um, Have you finished the Resident Evil series? Yes, and I'm upset oh, that did. I did. Okay, I'm really upset. Okay, that I, did. I have not finished it yet. I've only watched I think four episodes, um, but it's canceled. <laughs> like Netflix, uh, damn it! <laughs> and this is what you and I talked about. This is what we talked yeah. about in Discord. This is what I talked about with Lou, my co-host on Zombies Ate My Podcast, where that's why I finished it because we we did a whole episode. Uh, it's our most recent, our whole episode where we talked about this season, and and this was before it was canceled. It like, well, it's canceled. It ends on a cliffhanger. <laughs> 
Oh no! Oh god, I hate that. Oh, I hate that. Netflix does it so often. I know. And, and, <sighs> and you know, this is the thing I hate about traditional television. Um, sometimes you can have a really great show, but it always decides to end on a cliffhanger. And sometimes in the writer's room, they can kind of like, okay, we're on the bubble. So how are we going to end this? Do we wrap it up in a way where we can say, okay, we can, we can end it and be done or we can pick but it then back you, up. You kind of, yeah, you kind of run the risk. And I, I feel like the Grey's Anatomy has kind of been this way. And I mean, they're in their 19th season or something starting this fall. <laughs> wow. They've been around forever. But I find that the last like five-ish years, like five-ish seasons, haven't ended on a cliffhanger because they've never really known if their star, Ellen Pompeo, she's actually going to sign on for the next season and they don't want to continue it without her. So then you get into this perpetual situation where you're like, well, that felt like a series finale. Oh, we're back again. Okay, well, where do we go from there? Like, and it becomes really hard to like kick it off again next fall because it felt like the big end the last time so it's like yes there's some advantage to not ending on a cliffhanger and to assuming that like you might not get another season and to wrapping up your storylines as best as you can with a little bow but sometimes that can feel really weird for continuity and and stuff like that so i get why series end their seasons on cliffhangers but man, is it disappointing as a fan when you're like, when you're really invested and they have a cool story, you want to know what's next. And then the the station or in this case, the streaming service is like, eh, you know, there's only five million of you invested in this. And that just wasn't enough. <laughs> like now you have five million sad subscribers. <laughs> yeah. People who are paying money, and if they were to lose five million subscribers in a quarter, they would, uh, well, They'd they would notice. suddenly <laughs> introduce ad uh, ad tier streaming, which they are like. Yeah, Netflix is going through a very weird uh, period where, uh, yes, they are canceling, you know, a bunch of new shows that come out, and and this is the new norm with Netflix. Where I I've said this before, I will. I, I try not to watch a season one of a new show until there's an announcement of a season two. And then this way I can get more than just part of the story. Well, and you feel like they're kind of invested, right? Like yeah. uh, when they announce a, a next season of something, then it's like, okay, they're invested in the show. They're probably not going to drop it. They've put a lot of money in. This is now part of their brand, right? Like I would say Witcher fits that, mm -hmm. you know, like Netflix is very much tied to the Witcher and if you don't see that happening, like I, I wouldn't associate Resident Evil with Netflix and the branding. Like I've never seen that. Like they've never really pushed it, even when it was like very first out. And like I, I watch, okay, I do watch a lot of like drag and makeup and stuff like reality crap on Netflix for sure. But all of the other TV I watch on there is like sci-fi or horror. It's, like a lot of TV stuff. I don't watch a lot of movies. So it's like, I'm not an algorithm, but if I were to choose a series to push on a viewer like me, Resident Evil would definitely be up there. I mean, like I'm watching these like reality shows of like how to do like stage makeup and stuff. <laughs> like Resident Evil has that <laughs> like zombie yeah. makeup. Like, you know, it even somewhat fits with my side interests that aren't horror and tv and sci-fi right but yeah the fact that they didn't really push this to me like it was never my uh you know when you first log into netflix 
and they have like the your whole entire screen almost of an ad of whatever's new or interesting or they think you're going to like. Resident Evil was never that featured location for me. And I'm just like, if they didn't even push it to me, like whose fault really is it that this failed? Because I feel like this probably could have appealed to a lot broader audience. Like it very much went back to, if you know nothing about Resident Evil, you're probably going to enjoy this. Like, I know nothing about Resident Evil and I really enjoyed it. Again, I didn't make it to the end, but like it's still sitting there in my queue of things I'm watching. I'm getting there like slowly but surely. And apparently it's my fault Netflix canceled this (laughs) because I never finished it. It's not bad. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also a Netflix original. You assume it's going to be there forever and and it will be. There forever, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> there forever and unfinished. <laughs> yeah, and and this is the thing I think where I struggle is like this. This is half a story, you know. Like the the end of season one is is half a story. It really should have been said, "Hey, we're going to do two seasons" because they really structured this as a two season show. Yeah, and that's, that's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. And um, but the thing is, like, I I understand that new content. And revival content probably drives their subscriptions up. You see this with um, with new content coming in, like Resident Evil. I'm sure subscriptions went up. Um, and but you can only do this so much. You can only bring in new content with a multi season promise and then fail to deliver. Um, and people like myself are like, well, unless I have to cover it for a podcast or it's really really good, I'll wait until you announce the season two. And and again. I won't be part of those numbers that they have all the numbers because they they yeah. see people logging in, they see people watching it, how long how long they uh you know binge it, how long they stick with it. I won't be part of of that data. I won't but it's so hard to get invested in their content now though. Like so like from the get-go, I felt the like there's there's quite a few things now that I I do the same thing with. Like I really liked a different streaming service, but I really liked um The Gilded Age, which is kind of like Downton Abbey but in the states and a little bit later or earlier earlier. Um and like I really liked it, but I kind of watched a couple of episodes and I was like, okay, I'm really starting to enjoy this. What if there's no second season? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like it's a real worry now with these streaming services because it seems like they're just trying to get you in your subscription dollars or their like new hotness, like you know, from the creator of Downton Abbey, that's gonna get people to subscribe. Like Resident Evil, like the most best horror franchise in gaming. I don't know, I'm making this shit up, but you know what I mean? Like we have Resident Evil, come subscribe to Netflix. And then it's like, they've got your subscription and they don't care about keeping it. They just want you to sign on for that one month. And if they do, then they've done their job, which is crazy because like it's easier and less expensive to keep people subscribed than it is to get new people. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Some weird metrics on the back end, it feels like for measuring success. Yeah. But again, what do I know? I don't work for Netflix, so obviously they're successful. <laughs> they are they are successful, but not, maybe not as successful as their shareholders feel they should be. But I I don't know. I, I this is where I much prefer, you know, Netflix limited series like in terms of video games. There's another one that will be arriving in a couple weeks. Um, it's a anime adaptation of uh, cyberpunk based mm. within the CD Projekt Red world that they crafted 
uh, way back in 2020. So that one looks interesting. And again, like it's a limited series. Uh, yeah, I think it's so an you anthology. Know done, like they've done what they set out to do within however many episodes are in that limited series. And you don't have to worry about it having a cliffhanger or whatever, because like this is the story they want to tell. It's going to take five episodes. It's fully contained. This is it. Yeah. It's like it's it's just a five hour movie instead of a two hour movie, right? Yeah. Um, I I vastly prefer their uh, limited series as well for exactly this reason. You never get hung out to dry. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, this is sad news. I think it's something that a lot of folks, you know, Lou and I had talked. Like Lou's like, yeah, I saw this coming a mile away, and I get it. It it all comes down to the buzz and whether Netflix and the longer Netflix waits to announce a second season like that is basically the best sign. And the fact that they went a month or more without announcing anything um, was kind of the writing on the wall for the, for the series. And I mean, they were doing something different with a franchise that has seen a lot of the same for the last couple decades. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was interesting to see that different take. Lance Reddick is amazing in anything. So that was also a bonus. Um, And you should finish it because man, Lance Reddick gets to have some fun and uh, yeah. You <laughs> well, and, I, and I do like, I always intended to finish it. Um, and I'm a little bit less inclined now just because I know it ends badly. Um, badly meaning there's a cliffhanger and no yeah. second season. Um, but I mean, it was always on my list of things to do. I just hadn't gotten to it yet. And, and partly like, and I do this sometimes is like when I'm really enjoying something, but I'm not necessarily worried about spoilers but I'm having a good time. I like to space it out because I mean, like Witcher, I think I binged in a weekend and then it's like, oh my God, I have to wait a year and a half to see more (laughs) of this. So it's like, if I can kind of like artificially stretch it out, if there's a case where I'm not like worried about spoilers or, or super overly invested, if I just like, if I really enjoy the content, like I might watch one a week or one every couple of weeks and and space it out for myself so that when I get to the end, I'm like, oh, now I only have to wait six months. Like, you know, the kind of thing that I go to and come back to all the time. And yeah, this is just unfortunate. It's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Resident Evil will get another adaptation at some point in the very near future. I, I do not imagine this is its last sort of like it's a franchise that just keeps coming back you know so um mm-hmm. maybe it won't i would be, be interested to know i was gonna say i would be interested to know where the rights for resident evil lie like if netflix has them or has them for a certain amount of time or if it was like just you get the rights for this one-off series like i, I would like to know if anyone else can can take a crack at resident evil because um there's a couple of different stories in here that seem kind of cool Yeah, yeah there's a lot of fun you can have with the franchise. So hopefully yeah, they get another sure. shot. Yep. We, we will see. And we will tell you if we hear any more news about any more resident evil adaptations, by the way, new resident evil chapter released today in dead by daylight. So if you do want to play as Albert Wesker or get chased by Albert Wesker, you can do so in dead by daylight. This has been your gamers in dead by daylight minute. <laughs> and you should definitely go play dead by daylight which is probably what I'm going to do right now. Um, And if you don't find me in Dead by Daylight, you can find me in the Discord. It's bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also send your thoughts to uh, info at gamersandpodcast.com, which I don't even know why I said that because we never checked that email. We were just talking about that before the show. Oh, I check it. 
Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> Mostly just delete n- notifications that come in. Like we were, t- <laughs> we were talking about pre-show, but yes, we do get oh, emails. Man. We do I technically it. have an email address that apparently Ryan checks. It's info at gamersandpodcast.com if you want to send us an email. Otherwise, you can hit us up on Twitter, which is what I normally tell you to do. Yes. You can find me, Jocelyn and Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying with Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. I have puppy brain.